Anyway, this morning, talking about a call from God, I want to talk about a person who had a very clear call from God, but he decided to run the opposite way, actually. He decided to run in a different direction and decided to do his own thing because he thought he knew best, correct? And ended up in the belly of a whale, belly of a fish. Anyway, I've titled my sermon this morning, From the Belly of the Whale. Turn with me to Jonah chapter 2. Jonah, the book of Jonah chapter 2. In my Bible, it's just on two pages. The whole book is on two pages. It's a really, it's a really short book. Four chapters. It's funny because, sorry, side note. It was funny because for the life of me, I was like, okay, Jonah chapter. I always thought it had five chapters. Not, I mean, I knew it had four chapters, but when I went to it, I was like, where's chapter five? I don't know what I was thinking. I was just somewhere. Uh, it has only four chapters. But Jonah chapter two, it's just an interesting, really interesting passage. You read the whole story. We know the story, but read it because you always uh, have some insight that hits you every time you read it. And Jonah's relevant to a lot of us because we may not be running away from God's call in our lives, but we may not be living the call God has really placed on our lives. Let me say that again. We may not be running away from God's call in our lives, but we may not be living to the full potential of that call. But sometimes, like Jonah, we hit rock bottom, and we know people who hit rock bottom. And I encourage you to look and read through this book closely, because we see how he responded to that situation in his life, and it encourages us, and as well as helps us help others when they go through situations like these. Most of us are familiar with the story of Jonah. And Jonah finds himself in the belly of this fish, belly of this whale, and he really has only one person to blame for the situation he is in, himself. And now again, you may not be the reason you are in the situation you are in right now. You may not. Life happens. Yeah, things don't go as planned. And you may be at a point where you feel like just quitting. But it's the same response I think we can all have. How did Jonah get here? We know he came from a really small town and God tells him he's going from the small town again probably I don't know how many people 500 people and God tells him to go to probably the most popular city back then the most populated city back then the city of Nineveh the Assyrian city of Nineveh and of course the Jews hated the Assyrians because the Assyrians were their enemies. And the Assyrians hated the Jews as well. I mean, history tells you that part as well. Because they, the Assyrians basically, they just came in and plundered and destroyed everything that there was there, you know, and took away slaves and everything else. But God tells Jonah, comes to Jonah and tells him, hey, I need you to go to that town. And preach to them about God and God's coming judgment and tell them to repent. But Jonah, instead of doing what God tells him to do, 
he does not like uh, because he uh, he does his own thing because he does not like god's plan and so what he does do is take a cruise in the total opposite direction but he doesn't get too far because there's a storm and you know there's a storm and then the people there are freaking out they start throwing things overboard and they cast lots anyway jonah kind of tells them hey i'm the reason for the storm i'm the reason that all this is happening and so just throw me overboard and they don't want to do that but reluctantly i'd use the phrase um, you were reluctantly they finally throw him overboard and the storm stops immediately and it's kind of interesting because people get saved even through just that one thing i don't know it's an interesting story you throw someone off board overboard and then you get saved sorry my my mind goes somewhere else cuz i was writing that down i was like how many people in our lives do we need to throw over boards that we will be saved and i don't know <laughs> i don't think that's the moral of the story at all but it just made sense to me i'm going through a storm i need to get rid of a few few people and the storm's going to be fine after that but we don't want to do that anyway sorry i often wondered too i'm just exposing the silliness that's in my head did jonah try and swim i don't know the bible doesn't say but i don't know i guess that's a question one more of those questions i can ask him when i find him in heaven i don't know i have no idea whether he swam whether he tread water he was floating i have no idea i just begin to sink anyway the bible doesn't tell us sorry i'm going off on a rabbit trail let's go end of chapter uh, chapter 2 we get to jonah but chapter 1 ends with this phrase with this verse sorry now the lord had arranged a great fish to swallow jonah the lord arranged another translation it says the lord designed to swallow jonah and jonah was inside the fish for 3 days and 3 nights now i just recently had a conversation with someone about it who was talking about a man being in the belly of a fish and a snake talking to people and he was just making fun of the whole situation and i'm not going to get into the historicity of jonah being eaten by a fish i know a lot of people get hung up on that story and like i said did a real fish eat the prophet i don't have a problem believing that at all even if it's used metaphorically as an imagery i'm fine with that too but i believe in a god that works miracles i've said that before i don't have a problem believing that story at all i have no problem with believing that but the point is not jonah being eaten by the fish one of the things that i have to say before i get into the story is the number of people that i have come across in my life who've told me this to my face it's my life it doesn't affect anybody else that is one of the biggest lies the enemy sells us on amen oh it's my life i'm not hurting anybody else no sometimes your life causes storms in other people's lives too other people right. suffer because of the choices you make Now, I'm not blaming you. I'm not saying you beat yourself up over that, but we need to be aware. The choices we make affect others as well, affect those around us, and most often it affects those closest to us. Anyway, Jonah's in the belly of the whale. There's nothing he can do at this point. He's totally, if you say, you know, 
totally surrendered to God and, you know, he has no idea what's going to happen. Does he know if he's going to die in that whale or does he know that the whale's going to spit him out on dry land? I don't think he knows at all. The Bible doesn't say whether he knows at all. He has no idea whether he's going to live or die. He doesn't have a clue of what's going on. But here he is in the belly of the whale. It's totally, totally dark. And it's safe to assume that there's nothing else around him that he can have a conversation with. He is in the belly of the whale. Lack of another word, the phrase I use is he is literally at rock bottom. But let's see how Jonah responds to being there and let's draw some lessons from this part of the story. First thing I always look at as we read chapter 2 is from the belly of the whale, the first thing Jonah did was look to God. Jonah looks to God. When you hit rock bottom, church, when you hit rock bottom, friends, look to God. Resist the urge to look around for someone else to bail you out of the situation you are in. Look to God. And if you read chapter 2, the whole chapter is basically a prayer Jonah makes to God. The belly of the whale, rock bottom, same thing. From inside the fish, verse 1, it says, From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. He prayed to the Lord, his God. He prayed to the Lord. If God has everything planned, you know, and everything's just going to happen the way God wants it to happen, you know, this whole idea, why pray? Oh, it was God. It's God's will, right? To be in the belly of the whale? I don't think so. But why pray? When God's in charge and God's in control, why should I pray? I pray because I believe prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes the situation I am in. But more importantly, prayer changes me. It changes me because as we pray, and I've said this all the time, when we pray, we align ourselves with God's will. And when we align ourselves with God's will, it gives us the strength to make it through whatever we're going through. Amen. Through the years, I've had people tell me and several people have told me, you know, I just pray one time and then I stop because, you know, God knows what I need. Have you heard that before? I'm sure you have. I don't want to irritate God with my nagging. I've heard that one before. And granted, sometimes our prayers are whining. I'll be honest. It's like, it's like going to the store with Amara. Amara, is, but this is my favorite. <laughs> like that pleading look. This is my favorite, you know. And then the begging and the whining starts until we leave the store sometimes. Yes, I admit, sometimes our prayers are just whining for something we want, thinking we'll make, it'll make our lives better. Yes, thank God He doesn't answer those prayers. But when I'm talking about looking to God, when you are hit rock bottom, when you are in the belly of the whale, I'm talking about sincere prayer. I'm talking about persevering in prayer. I'm talking about praying like you mean it. 
It's more than just whining. It's the prayer that gives us the strength to make it through. It's the prayer that expresses our dependence on God. Please don't use prayer as a vending machine like many people do. You put your money in and then you punch the button on what you want and God's going to give it to you. That's not the purpose of prayer. He does that because he wants us to have good things too. But prayer has to be sincere. Prayer has to be persistent. Prayer has to be a lifestyle. And prayer has to be directed to God himself. Because prayer strengthens you. When you are stuck in the belly of a whale, when you, and even then the bottom falls out, you really, really are stuck. You feel like there is no way around. It's all dark and there's no, in darkness, you don't know where you are. You don't know what's north. You don't know what's south. You have no direction, nothing. When you feel like that, turn to God because he is the answer. Turn to God. Look to God. The second thing we see right there is the prayer. And the prayer he makes is you see the emotion and the sincerity of his prayer. There's honesty and sincerity in this prayer, I like to use the word, there's passion in his prayer. He prays passionately. I'm talking about with emotion, but also emotion and sincerity that comes together. It's not just a recited prayer that he's learned. I mean, we have cliches in our house and we teach the kids, you know. You know, thank you, especially when we sit down at the table when, when they were younger. It was like, thank you for this day, thank you for this food, and thank you for taking care of us. But as they grow older, we, hey... What else can you give God thanks for? What else can we pray for? It can't just be reduced to something that we just remember, like the Our Father or whatever, Hail Mary. I don't know what to do. But prayer, church, has to be sincere. Prayer has to be passionate. You see in, in his prayer, passion in his prayer, because you, sense the, uh, you get the sense of desperation that there is. In verse 2, it says, in my distress and in my deep trouble, I called out to the Lord. Another translation says, I cried out to the Lord. That's sincerity. That's passion when you cry out for something. When is the last time you really turned to God and prayed like that and cried out to God, not just something you have rehearsed? but prayed from your heart. Jonah's prayer was real. Jonah's prayer was authentic. Jonah's prayer was sincere. Jonah's prayer was passionate. Please do not reduce prayer to something meaningless, something that's just a ritual. And don't reduce prayer to a shopping list of things you want from God. When you come to Him, tell Him what's on your heart. Tell Him what you really need, but it must be Authentic, it must be passionate, and it's okay to be emotional in prayer, but let it be real. It says, you listened to my cry, in verse 2. I always think about Anna, <coughs> Samuel's mother, Hannah. She was weeping as she was praying, and the priest there, Eli, thought she was drunk. But her heart and the situation she was in that was passion in that prayer as she cried and wept before God.
when you find yourself in the belly of a whale, look to God, cry out to him. As one commentator put it, this prayer is not a polite request. It's a gut-wrenching cry for help. And that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what we see in Jonah. We need to get this church. It doesn't matter where you pray because the outward place, a posture doesn't matter to God. What matters to God is your heart when you come to him in prayer. Just because you come all the time, it's not about that. Just because you kneel and pray, it doesn't make your prayers more powerful. What he's looking at is our heart. And as we come to him, there needs to be sincerity when we pray. The third thing we notice in this chapter kind of builds on the emotion and sincerity of his prayer. You notice that he is brutally honest in expressing how he feels. He's not like what some people, you know, they try and flatter God before they slide that request in, you know? You know what I'm talking about? Tell God how great he is and everything else. Then he'll get in a good mood and then you just slide your request in. (laughs) If you're a parent, you know exactly what that is. Aiden's our friend who does that. Alyssa never does that. (laughs) Comes and gives you that hug and then you're sitting there like, okay, what does he want? No, we, we do that in God sometimes, you know. Unknowingly, we do that. But that's not what it's about. As you read Jonah, he's brutally honest in the expressing how he feels. Verses 3, just reading through that, just a couple of verses through there. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. Verse 4. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Verse 5, the engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. He was going head first into the water, by the way. I don't know. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath me barred me, trapped me in it forever. Nothing in there seems to be flattering God at all. He's earnest and passionate in his prayer, but he's also brutally honest. Please understand, God is not impressed when you use high-flying words when you come to him in prayer. You don't have to use only one version of kind of prayer to hear God or listen and come to God. Be honest with how you feel. Express. He's brutally honest with how he feels. I don't see, you know, an expression of praying positively or enthusiastic in his prayer. You don't see that in this moment. But what word comes into my mind is helpless. He seems helpless. He is distressed. You can read, as you read this, you see the sense of despair in his heart is really because he's helpless, he's unable to do anything. Totally overwhelmed. That's kind of interesting because as you read even those few verses, you get an idea of what's going on in Jonah's life, what's going on on the outside, but you also get an, get an insight of what he's thinking right there. 
on the outside it is what he says you know he's been hurled into the depth of the sea the waves and everything else is crashing down on him they are beating him down they drag him down he's literally physically drowning and now he's swallowed by this whale but it also tells us what he thinks because the devil messes with our minds he thinks what i have been banished from your sight his mind is playing tricks on him thinking telling him god has abandoned you now to the roots of the mountains i sank down the earth barred me trapped me in it forever his mind is telling him yes god has abandoned me yes he's banished me yes i'm imprisoned i'm trapped in the deepest part of the ocean that's the whole idea of the roots of the mountains is talking about the deepest part referencing the deepest part of the ocean He's telling us what's happening on the outside but also he's being honest with the way he feels on the inside as well. He expresses an undoubtedly this fear that you can see here. God, this is how I feel. Physically I'm being beat up, mentally I am being trapped as well. Totally helpless. He's hit rock bottom. I've hit rock bottom, God, and I don't even have the strength to stand up on that bottom. powerless i guess overwhelmed feeling of being abandoned feeling of being rejected yes there's a sense of guilt and remorse i'm sure there's fear in there but the truth is this he is nothing there is nothing he can do to make his life any better right now side note i guess i always marvel at at this cuz most jewish scholars and even christian traditions identify Jonah as the author of this book and i can imagine him retelling the story you know his testimony about what a big jerk he was trying to run away from god <laughs> yes i was a prophet yes i recognized god's voice but i was too consumed with anger and hatred to see god's love for other people that's a powerful testimony yet god was merciful and gracious to them but he was also merciful and gracious to me And as I read this book several times my mind went to the older brother in Luke 15 same attitude the older brother in Luke 15 like man this guy who's done all this crazy stuff he comes back and you're celebrating while I've done all this good stuff for you and you're not done anything for me god it's the same kind of attitude i see here you know god's got to be good because i've been good to you the whole time anyway Jonah turned to God. There's passion in his prayer because there's emotion in his prayer and there's honesty in his prayer. The fourth thing we see that Jonah does here is Jonah prays God's word. Jonah prays God's word. What does that mean? Jonah's going, God, I'm feeling out of control. You know, I have this regret. I have this fear. I feel trapped. And all these things that Jonah listed all the way back. Actually, go back to verse uh verse 2 it says in my distress i called to the lord and he answered me yes. another translation says from deep in the world of the dead i called for help and you listened to my cry what is that that's just a verse that you find again in psalm 50 it says call to me in your time of trouble and i will save you yes. jonah essentially did what jonah essentially did was he prayed god's word Jonah was pretty familiar as a prophet he was pretty familiar with the Bible 
But even in the short prayer, most scholars say, hey, there's six to eight references of the Old Testament that you find right here that the Psalms you see in this prayer itself. Pray the word. When words fail you, pray the word. I know it sounds cliche and it sounds like, well, what is that? It's simple. Take scripture and say them back to God. That's all it is. Because that's exactly what Jonah did to get his miracle. He just quoted what other people had said and what he had read in the Bible. It's a lot easier, church, to pray the Bible back to God. I've got to explain that a minute. Not because God wants to hear himself and his words, you know. It's not that. But we always want our prayers to line up with God's word. And the best way to do it is to pray the word itself. Because when we are struggling in our lives, it's hard to find words to pray itself. That's why we go to scripture and pray the word. I mean, that topic is a huge topic. But honestly, the Bible covers almost every human emotion and situation. And all you got to do is go to the Word, find some scriptures that express how you feel. That's all it is. Pray the Word. There's the prayers of lament. There's prayers of, that express anger. There's prayers that express hurt. There's prayers that express sorrow. But along with that, also pray the truth of God's Word. Pray the truth about God, His many attributes. We'll get to that in the next point. But as you pray the word, pray the truth about God and also pray the promises of God that are there. It's a whole nother topic. But Jonah prayed the word in accordance to the word and that's what we need to do too. Pray in accordance to the word. Pray the word. The fifth thing that we see right here in the midst of his struggle, Jonah focuses on the goodness of God. Jonah focuses on the goodness of God when everything else looks dark. You can't see, like I said earlier, you can't see what's in front of you, behind you, what's around you. Everything is dark. It's pitch black. There is no light at the end of the tunnel. But what I can do is when I can't focus on anything else, the one thing I can do is focus on God and His goodness. Focus on the goodness of God when everything else seems lost. Church, we have to discipline our minds to focus on the goodness of God. Let me say this, because it does not happen naturally. Our natural instinct isn't to focus on God. Our natural instinct is to focus on all the other stuff that's happening around us. It's a deliberate choice we have to make because humanly speaking, it's easy to get caught up with all the bad stuff that's happening around us, with get caught up and focused on all the things that are happening to us. It's easy to get consumed with how unfair my life is right now. It's easy to focus on all the negative stuff around us. Let's be honest about it. We don't need to work hard to do that at all. But what we need to do is determine in our hearts and discipline our minds to focus on God and His goodness in the midst of that situation. In the belly of the whale where you can't see a single thing. Focus on the goodness of God. That's the one thing you can do. Focus on the goodness of God in the midst of the situation you are in. That's what's really important. To pay attention to the people you hang out with. Let me just say that. It's really important 
Because you can find, it's easy to find people who will throw a pity party for you. Because it makes you feel good, you know. Oh, they understand me. I'm like, yes, they understand you, but all they're doing is keeping you where you should not be. They all re- simple, honestly, all they do is reinforce the negativity. That's all they do. But we need friends who will empathize with us, but also push us to focus on God rather than the situation around us. Amen. We may think, you know, and sometimes we may think, and I've been accused of this too, you're heartless, you don't understand what I'm going through. I'm like, man, I don't understand, but one thing I can tell you, the way out is focus on God. We need people who will encourage us to pursue God and walk with you through that situation, but remind you of who God is and remind you of God's promises. That's why we really need the body of believers. You cannot be a Christian all by yourself on an island because life will happen and you need people who will walk along with you and encourage you to stay focused on the goodness of God. Stay focused on the faithfulness of God. Stay focused on His love for you. Stay focused on His promises that he has given you Amen. the belly of the whale you've got to determine to stay focused on the faithfulness and the goodness of God verse 7 Jonah says when my life was ebbing away I remembered you Lord another translation says when I had lost all hope I turned my thoughts once more to the Lord when I had lost all hope I turn my thoughts once more to the Lord. Church, that's the answer to the helplessness, to the hopelessness, to the despair, to that hole you feel in your heart. It's turning once again to the Lord. When I lost all hope, I turned my thoughts to the Lord. In the midst of everything that is going on, I turn my back. The truth is, when I focus on the situation, I'm turning my back on God. It's really interesting, though. Focus on God. Focus on the goodness of God. Focus on the faithfulness of God. In the midst of my trying situation, in the midst of that bottom rock bottom situation I remember who my God is the greatness of the God of my God the power of my God the love of my God the kindness of my God his mercy his grace his promises my turn I turn my thoughts once more to the Lord and my earnest prayer it says in verse 7 rose to your holy temple You read the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. Whenever a person cried out to God in desperation, he hears that prayer. He hears that cry. He's never too busy to hear our prayers. He's never too busy to hear the cry of our hearts. People may not see it, but the God who made you and loves you knows Your heart's cry knows your heart's cry. Church, what we need to do, again, this is a deliberate choice we have to make, to change our focus. Change our focus from the situation and to God. Someone said, you look, you, look, uh, you look at your problems, you will be distressed. You look within, you will be depressed. You look to Christ and you'll find rest. 
You look at the problem, you'll be distressed. You look inside, you'll be depressed. You look at Christ, you will find rest. It's a choice you make. I'm not saying it's an easy choice, but that's why you need people who will help you along. Look to Christ. When you start thinking about God's word instead of your worries, God builds you up. He lifts you up. He strengthens you. One more thing I think I need to point out just here. At no point in this whole prayer do you see Jonah blaming God. He's honest with what's happening, but he never blames God. Hey, the situation I'm in, God, I know it's my fault. I recognize it was my fault. I recognize I was running away from what you called me to do. I know it, but I still know that you are a good God. He remembered God's goodness. And because he remembered God's goodness, he says, I will turn my thoughts to the Lord. Regardless of what you're going through, church, God's purpose, God's grace, God's call in your life is greater than the problem you're going through right now. Way greater. It was Jonah's fault. He got himself, he got himself into the mess he was in. He found his way into the belly of the whale, but that didn't stop God's grace from reaching to him. Sixth thing I want to see right here. It says starting in verse 8, basically. Jonah didn't run after the quick fix. Jonah rejects, actually, the false solutions. Jonah rejects the false solution. Be careful. Don't run after the thing that will get you out of the situation you are in right now. It doesn't matter what's going to happen, but it's going to fix the situation right now. Be careful of that. Be careful of the quick fix. Again, just being real, throughout my ministry, I've met people who, you know, when they get in trouble, they kind of turn to God right after they've exhausted everything else. And I have heard testimony after testimony. I'm not saying, and I'm not saying anything bad or anything of that sort about them. But there are so many people who try that quick fix, that easy fix. Somehow, you know, it doesn't matter how ridiculous and outlandish that sounds, but they will try it, but you tell them to try God and they don't want anything to do with it. And it breaks my heart, to be honest. Instead of turning to God and God's grace, you know, they run after things that don't really fix the solution. Yes, it eases the pain for a minute, but does nothing in the end. It just, again, it just challenges me as a pastor, but also as a Christian, because I encounter people who are struggling, and you offer them Christ, but they don't want anything to do with it. Because, yeah, and some of them, they've been hurt by the church, and I understand that part, because they've had some bad experience, but you try and tell them about Christ, and they don't want anything to do with Christ. They would rather do whatever, I mean... uh, And people understand, religious leaders manipulate that need so much. I mean, you tell people, and it's just just the truth, coming from where I come from, they will crawl around the church on their hands and knees, but you tell them to give your heart to Christ, they don't want to do that. Give them a solution. You know, put in, maybe if I put in a hundred extra dollars in the offering, God will forgive me for what it, come on. Verse 8, it says, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. The point here is, Jonah didn't run away 
Uh, sorry, Jonah didn't run after the quick fix. He didn't cling onto idols because he realized the futility of trying things that would not give him a permanent solution. He wasn't. He wasn't run after things that men came up with. What he was determined to do is go after things that God could give him. Why waste your time running after things, running after stuff that man says will give you peace? Why run after things that are man-made solution? Why after, run after things that the world has to offer? Because honestly, the world offers us solutions that seem so easy. The world offers a solution that looks so good, but really accomplished nothing. They leave us worse than we were really in the first place. Why run after things like that when you can truly... Because what he says here is when you run after things like that, what you are doing is turning away from the love of God. The true love of God. I can say this, the lore of the world is so real because it seems so much fun. Because I can do whatever it, I want to do because it makes me happy. Why choose God? The truth is this, they cannot solve your problems. There is only one person who can show you the way out, and that is Christ. Now you can go and try it on your own and then come back right at the very end and say, okay, I'll try God now. But don't take that for granted that you will have a last chance. And don't say that to scare you, but that's just the honest truth. People choose to believe lies. And the culture is filled with lies. You know, if you try this, you'll get this. No, it's not. Realize Jonah didn't try to save himself. When you're stuck in the belly of the whale, you don't have the capability to save yourself. So... Don't try. Oh, I've just got to fix this. You're not going to be able to fix anything. Your friend's not going to be able to fix what you're in. Only God can. Verse 6, you, O Lord, saved me. You brought my life back from the pit. It's you, God, who saved me. Brought my life from the pit. It's an analogy for death. God kind of gave him a new life. That's, his, that's what he's trying to say. God saved my life and now you gave me a new life. You brought me back to life. Church, don't run after quick fixes. Turn to God because he is the real solution and he will give you life itself. Amen. The seventh point that I want to close with today is Jonah's expression of gratitude before his miracle even happened. Jonah's expression of gratitude even before his miracle happened. Verse 9, But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Realize he's doing this. His thanksgiving was before his miracle. I mean, you want people to be grateful and being grateful after a miracle, that's a good thing. But what faith is about is learning to give thanks before the miracle. Yeah. Learning to give thanks before the miracle itself. And it says three ways he gives thanks. One, it's a shout of praise. Second thing is it's a sacrifice. I will sacrifice to you. And thirdly, he says, I will make good the vow I made. I, can, I preached a three-point sermon in just that part before. 
but you want to express gratitude to God in advance, that's an exercise of your faith. Number one, he says, I will sing or shout your grateful praise. I always say this, vocalize your thanksgiving. Because, not because anybody else wants to hear you, because you need to hear yourself sometimes. Amen. Express it loudly, vocally, express your praise. Number two, he says, through uh, sacrifice, he's talking about giving back. He says, I will sacrifice to you, he says. I'm not talking about tithing here at all, but when you are generous, when you are faithful in giving back and sacrificing, you're honoring God, recognizing God, it's all from you. You're just saying, thank you, God. You sing, say it, confess it, say it with your, vocalize your thanksgiving, you show your thanksgiving with, uh, with the sacrifice. And the third thing he does is he renews his commitment right there. And what was his commitment to go and preach the gospel to the Ninevites? And he says, I will vowed, I will make good, I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Amen. It's a commitment to do what God has called us to do, to be witnesses to the world around us. Amen. To be witnesses. Realize he was doing exactly the opposite of what God wanted him to do. But he says, hey, I'm going to shout your praise. He didn't know what was going to, please understand, he did not know what was going to happen. But he says, it doesn't matter what's going to happen. What I will do is I will sing God's praise. I will sacrifice to the Lord. And then he says, I will be a witness he renews his commitment to be a witness. Church, that's the good news, really. Jodah did exactly the opposite of what God wanted him to do. Because he allowed anger and hurt and bitterness to influence his decision. And very often we run away from God because we allow anger and bitterness and things that happen in our life to influence that decision. But the best part of this is when he comes back to God, God restores his life but also restores his purpose, his calling. God has a calling on your life. I've said this to many people. Even when you blow it, God's not going to kick you to the side of the road and say, okay, you're way too damaged for me to use you again. He's never going to do that. He restores the calling for which he made you. He restores you to the calling for which he made you. And then, of course, verse 10 ends with, so the Lord ordered the fish to vomit Jonah out onto the beach. You may think you've blown it. And you may have blown it, but when you come to God, He gives you a second chance. He gives you a third chance. He will restore the life to which He has called you. He will restore the calling and the purpose and the mission for which He created you. From the belly of the whale, Jonah turned to God. Let us turn to Him at all times as well. Bow your heads with me at this time. I'm going to work my way backwards. Please don't believe the lie that you're not good enough for God to use you anymore. Don't believe that lie that, you know, people may say, oh, yeah, just 
you're way too damaged for me to, you know, you're no benefit. That's not God at all. No one is perfect before God. We're all damaged, if you want to call it that. But it's God, when we come to Him, that He embraces us with arms open wide and renews the purpose and the calling He has placed on our lives. All we got to do is trust in Him. From the belly of the whale, look to God. Fight the urge to look around and just turn to God. When you pray, pray with passion, pray with sincerity. You don't have to hide what's going on. God already knows. Just be honest with Him. God, this is how I feel. You can always be honest with God. You don't have to come with all these big words and these complicated, you know, things. No. Come with sincerity in your heart. Because that's what he looks for is your heart. Don't come with something rehearsed that you've learned as a kid. And when you lack the words, you don't know what to say. When you lack the words to even pray, open God's word and pray the word of God. Like I said, it almost covers every human emotion and every situation. You will find a scripture that will say way better, in words way better than you can ever express. All you got to do is just pray that prayer. When you feel helpless, turn to God. Pray the word. Determine in your heart to focus not on the situation. Determine in your heart to focus on God. His goodness. His mercy. His love. His grace. His forgiveness. His mercy. His promises. You have got to make the choice to focus on who God is. He is faithful and just and He loves you. God hears your cry. In that belly of the whale, it feels like no one's around and can God even see me? He sees you. He knows where you are. All you got to do is turn to Him. Please fight the urge to run after man-made fixes. If I only do this, if I only have a little more, somehow it'll make me happy. Now, the truth is, the more you have, the more paranoid you get very often. Say, God, 
Seek Him. It may not seem easy, but it's worth it. Trusting Christ is worth it. It may not be popular, but it's worth it. Find people who will walk with you, direct you to focus in on God, and give Him thanks in advance. You don't know what the next moment is going to hold. You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. But you can give Him thanks today. Sing a song of praise. Give Him thanks for what He has done and for what He will do. And trust in Him. If He can give Jonah a second chance, if He can give me like a million chances, why won't He do that for you? He will renew. Renew your purpose. Restore that purpose in your life. Everything you go through is not a waste. Turn to Him. Trust Him. Enjoy the life that He gives you.